The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to lunchtime. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's one. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Henry Oil. Remember, since 1947, they want to be your oil provider. Full fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, it's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200, always online at henryoil.com. It's Wednesday, and that means, let's bring him on. He covers Rhode Island for the Boston Globe. And uh, good afternoon to our friend Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, John. How are you? Very well. Dan, I want to um, start off. Uh, Boston Globe has a very good story this morning. Your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick, wrote uh, your thoughts on Governor Mundo's state of the state last night. Something that, that I think is interesting, and it's brought out in the article, and that is, as Ramundo enters six-year unemployment down, but de- budget deficits persist. You know, there's obviously, when you think about it, two states side-by-side. And Massachusetts, by all accounts, is going to have a $1 billion surplus. And right next door, the state of Rhode Island enters in with a $200 million deficit. I mean, there's something very, to me, drastically wrong with the way the states operate, that you have two states side by side and have that much of a a difference. Well, and, and by the way, John, look no further than than sort of how the how the state of the state and the budget are kind of uh, now rolled out. You know, the governor's speech last night I thought was pretty good, and I thought she you know touched on a lot of issues. She went forty nine minutes or so um, without really telling us how she's going to pay for it, and I think that's the. Uh, legitimate concern and criticism of this state, whether it's the governor's office or, or later on, you know, in a few months when the House actually, you know, releases or, or it, it's the final version of the budget. <clears throat> we, we we know that we there are lots of things that people want to pay for, and there, you know, there are merits and 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 certainly downsides to to all of these programs. But oftentimes, you end up in in this spot where you you want um, basically more than you have. And, and I think in this case yesterday, I, mean, I thought Ed's story was excellent because it's exactly right. The economy's humming along. I mean, you, you, this is a, actually a very good time to, uh, to be in this state. The unemployment rate, you know, certainly you could have these arguments about whether jobs are, you know, paying as much as they should pay and things like that. But, again, the, the numbers do speak for themselves. But every single year we're, we're talking about closing a $150, 200000000 million shortfall, and this year is no different. And I think... You know, the thing that you hear from the Speaker and the Senate President is we need to, you know, we need to get out of, of having these annual shortfalls to close. But we, I feel like, I mean, you've been around longer than I have. I feel like we hear this every single year and we still end up with a massive hole that, that throughout the year you have to find ways to close. Yeah, and I think a couple things, um, both uh, Speaker Mattiello and Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, they talk about structural deficits. And a problem when you have someone in the second term as governor, like Governor Raimondo, you're, you're looking for things to, you know, pad your resume in a way and plans. And she was very adamant she wants to be the first state in the union as far as, uh, you know, energy recycling and resourcing. And, and it, it, like, the two sides don't meet because if, in fact, it does make sense to try to close some of these structural deficits, there's nothing sexy about it that goes onto your resume as you try to move ahead in your political career. Oh, yeah, and make no mistake about it. Governor Raimondo's speech yesterday, I mean, let, let's be honest about this. She basically has one more of these. She'll get next year, and then that last year in office is going to be all politics all the time, right? She's going to be on her way out. There's going to be 100 people running for governor, and everybody's going to be able, you know, going to be kind of looking to make hay over things. So she's got she had this one, and she has her next year uh, uh, budget and slash state of the state address. And it's there's no there's no question that this was uh, very much a legacy address. I mean, you talk about years, and I mean, again, renewable energy, noble goal, something that she's saying, but she will not be here for virtually all of, 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 of you know, moving in that direction. 
Uh, it's a little similar. She didn't talk about this last night, but, you know, third grade reading, they want to get to 75% of proficient years after she leaves office in her second term, right? Um, and so I think this is what she, she certainly set out last night to lay out an ambitious agenda. It's interesting, you know, and you, I know you follow this stuff closely, you know, the whole way through, I'm thinking, okay, like all these things are, again, you could debate them, but nothing I, I see, you know, you're not looking at the speaker, you're not looking at the Senate president saying, boy, there's no chance that's going to happen. And then just to cement the fact that she really wants to, you know, stand out, right at the end, she says, I'm, I'm going to push line item veto, there's no reason we shouldn't have it. And that's where you suddenly almost twist the knife at the legislative leadership. Yeah, that's the, what stood out to me. And again, folks, when I speak of Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, is two things she highlighted on is gun legislation. Both Ruggiero and Mattiello have an A rating from the NRA. And line item veto that anyone that listens to Mattiello, it is, it is a non-starter. I mean, other than apparently she does have a chit with this whole, you know, there's going to be an opening on the Supreme Court, which that just rockets around the state house but even when it comes to the city of providence and she touched on that you you follow you follow that closer than anyone and unless i'm wrong i mean i know there's a lot of talk and plans and it's kind of like everyone knows what's wrong with the patient but to date here we are into january the john hopkins report hit last spring and there's been there's been no changes other than maybe some cleaner classrooms and she did touch on that you know bats in the classroom and these kids deserve better and brown drinking water but there's been nothing implemented seemingly that would impact test scores in any way no, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, I think you're going to have another, when it comes to schools, in particularly in Providence, but all over the state, you're going to have another year where this will be the third year the students take that, that RICAS exam. You will likely see another sort of steady increase to students becoming more comfortable taking the test, all those kind of things. But to your broader point, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, it, it was one thing for, for you and I to have this conversation in the first week of school where, you know, you, you say, Boy, they haven't really done anything. What's going on? You know, I was more on the side of, hey, you know, give it time. These things take time. We're now into the second half of the school year, and they don't have a superintendent in place, no. right? They, they haven't begun. They would say they have started to do the work, and they, it'll move very quickly once they get a superintendent in place. But, I mean, this is a thing where, where you, this takes a lot of work. I'm working on a story right now that you and I have talked about a lot, about sort of all the players and the, the things that go into this teacher's contract. Because if you don't have that in place, you're never going to get anything done. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you're a parent from Providence who's, you know, and let's be honest, not a lot of folks are going to necessarily pay attention very closely and watch the governor's state of the state. But she didn't say anything other than try to sort of inspire or give hope, right? I get that there's a problem. We're, 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 we're working really hard. By the way, if you're outside of Providence, this is not just about Providence. We're going to turn everything around. But you know, a lot of these things, we, we still don't know what they look like. And a lot of them are, to your words before, kind of unsexy, right? They're not, you know, when you're talking about curriculum changes and things like that, these are things that, that are not day-to-day, -day, you know, kitchen table issues, no. right? And so it, I, I think it's, uh, I, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, when she leaves office, which is really not that long from now, you know, ha ha are we going to see anything very different about the city of Providence in particular? Because, again, those test scores, because there are just so many kids there, without improving Providence, you never really can improve the rest of the state. Now, you, you can show progress, but, again, overall numbers, you know, there are so many kids in high school there, so the graduation rate depends heavily on Providence. The test scores depend heavily on Providence. Uh, and so yeah, I think the whole, you know, kit and caboodle is... is is exactly the providence and, and we haven't seen very much yet no and and with the discussion about that i mean when i just go back to when the governor was first in office you know they were aggressively pitching ge there was definitely a feeling like hey here's a business governor who could make an impact but you know if we want to be fair all these years later the uh, empty superman building the providence test scores are terrible i i think nothing is going to be done with that contract in place and the governor didn't help the situation by signing that forever contract provision, even though it's going to be challenged because it's going to make it harder. But I want to jump into, folks, there's a great story in the Boston Globe that Dan McGowan came out with, and I, I am shocked when I even, even I saw the numbers. Brian and Johnson of Wales topped the list. Highest paid 
college presidents. I'm not talking about in the state. I mean in the entire country and especially. Now, I know Brian President Ron Makeley. I've known him for a long time. My sister Donna worked for him on Capitol Hill in Washington. $6.28 million in compensation. I mean, that I, again, he had transformed the school, no question about it. And next year I saw that even the, uh, I think the basketball, the football teams, uh, Brian football is going to play URI or the basketball teams are going to, yep. like they're all being upgraded. But boy, that is, you, I, and I like your, your story. You, you, you never, ever see that at colleges around the country. This is CEO type of pay. It's a huge pay. I mean, one of the things that I tried to do, and admittedly, you know, we're thinking about the state of the state yesterday when this stuff is coming out, but I wanted to make it very clear. Now, in, in fairness, you know, we have a little bit of a regional audience, obviously, because it's the globe. And so I immediately said, okay, let's just look at everyone else in New England. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about the best colleges in the world, yes. right? the Harvards and the Yales, uh, and not even close, right? This was These were by far, you know, in some cases, in, in, in President Makeley's case, you know, five times as much as some of the best presidents in the world. Now, in fairness to the to both Johnson and Wales, uh, uh, former Chancellor Bowen, and, and, and now uh, Makeley, who's, who's leaving at the end of this school year, what both schools basically say is um, is that they had kind of deferred compensation plans implemented in the early 2000s that that you know just a, kind of your secondary source of income and. They, uh, the market, especially in the last five, six, seven years, has been remarkable, and they're beneficiaries of an incredible stock market. The question that we have, and you know, I'm poking around on this a little bit, is, you know, is there ever? Let's be, let's be very clear. While Brian and, jo- and Johnson and Wales are are defending this and saying, look, again, it's a product of the market. They know this is a massive PR hit, right? They know that when you're making more than the president of Harvard, it's not a great look for Johnson and Wales, let's say. And I, I think my my big question is, is you know, are we going to see this for other employees? Are they revisiting the way that they're handing this out? Because you know, again, both of these presidents, their annual salaries—we're talking five, six hundred thousand dollars, which is pretty reasonable for what private college presidents make—but to get you know, uh, yeah, essentially a parachute in many ways of, of millions and millions of dollars. Uh, it's a tough look, and, and you know, you, you, I've heard my email has blown up with, you know, students and, and parents of, of students who are saying, boy, we're paying a lot of money for tuition, and and to see that is, is obviously just kind of disheartening. Unbelievable. I mean, the President Brown, Paxson, granted she also gets a house in, but so does Makeley, makes $1.3 million. Even BU, the president, Brown, 1.6 million. Yale, 1.4 million. Ron Makeley, 5 million. $6 million. Now, Johnson & Wales has always been a for-profit college. I mean, I remember the joke was the application, whether or not you get in, the admission process was sending in the application that you wanted to go there. And it was like, uh, you know, when do you want to start? Congratulations. But that is really remarkable. Now, folks, Dan McGowan is doing, uh, uh, you have another event tonight that is live that I want to give you a chance to plug right now because this is rare. I think the timing is perfect. Uh, The governor unveils her budget proposal tomorrow, but coming the night after the state of the state. And uh, I don't remember the last time, other than maybe if there's some kind of a chamber of commerce meeting or something like this, but you're going to have both the speaker and the Senate president at your event tonight. Yeah, we're really excited. This is our second, you know, uh, event, the uh, Roadmap Live, we call it. And, and you remember the first one, of course, we had the governor and the president of Brown. And, uh, and then we, we, we had a plenty of climate change protesters for that, that, that first event. Um, we, you know, that overall went relatively well. And people, I think, had a really good time at the event, uh, other than maybe a little bit of a, dis- uh, you know, disruptance. Uh, in this case, you're, you're exactly right. We couldn't have planned it better. And, and by, uh, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. We had no concept that this was going to be in between the state of the state and the budget, uh, but we're fortunate to, to have that be the case. And, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, you see these guys, I think, uh, very much, uh, uh, they appear together in, you know, the, the setting of the Chamber of Commerce event, maybe one or two times the rest of the year, usually 
you know, do-gooder type things, right? It's the dinner to celebrate somebody, the Rypec dinner, things like that. Um, this is a great opportunity. And, and, you know, we're appreciative of both of these guys, Speaker Mattiello and Senate President Ruggiero, because there's no, there are no restrictions, right? We're sitting down, and, and uh, Amanda Milkovitz and I are going to kind of pepper them with questions for about an hour uh, tonight. And, you know, we, we, we're taking and people can still email me and, 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 and send in questions if they like. But, you know, we're going to hit every legislative uh, major topic. We'll hit the state of the state. We'll talk about the budget. We'll really kind of dig into where these guys are going when it comes to guns and marijuana and all these other things. Uh, yeah, I think, again, better to be lucky than good. We got really good timing here. And uh, we're really looking forward to, a, uh, I think, a productive conversation that people will find both entertaining and informative. And people, folks, if you want to attend, Dan, it is free and open to the public that people can go. Just make sure they step over all the dead birds outside. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, it, it is still free. It's at 225 Dyer Street tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll have an open bar, so you'll be able to, at the very least, you can throw a bottle at me if you're mad at me or something. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're really, uh, we think it's going to be a great night. There's, there's plenty of parking in and around the building. So, uh, yeah, come out. Come to Providence, 225 Dyer Street. It's the, uh, the Cambridge Innovation Center building that, that the Globe has a, an office in, and it's a nice little setting. And, and, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And before I let you go, how can people sign up to get your daily email that I read each morning? That's right. So roadmap every single morning in your inbox before 8 a.m. Uh, if you just send an email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com, just a blank email, I'll know what you're doing and we'll sign you up. You'll, you'll start getting the daily email first thing tomorrow morning. I think it should be very interesting tonight. You deserve a lot of credit. Those two, Senate President Ruggiero, Speaker Mattiello, they are so, they're Democrats, but they're so far away from a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. They also have, they both rule with a real iron fist, and they, especially Ruggiero, they keep their chambers in line. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, good luck tonight. Great job. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, John. Have a good one. All right, folks, there it is. Uh, Dan McGowan, again, he's got his big event tonight with uh, Mattiello and Ruggiero. As I said, right now, uh, President Trump, this is major at the White House as they are moving ahead um, with phase one now of uh, the president is actually speaking right now, but it's going to be going on for a long time. Otherwise, I would dip in and uh, carry part of it. But he was going to get 40 billion for his thing. He sold all the stuff he didn't want. He sold President it to some Trump group that doesn't like Trump as China much. Deal. That's the only problem. But he was going to get 40 billion. And he said, I don't know. They keep bidding this thing up. They end up paying, what, $75 billion? And he kept the best stuff. So Rupert's doing right. Huh? He, Rupert's fantastic. And that whole family is just a great family. Rupert so Murdoch, say hello, Robert. And John Thornton. Oh, John. Where's John? Where's John? John is great. Good job, John. Thank you for all the help, too. Great job, John. Jay Timmons. All right, we're gonna, I, I wouldn't mind hearing if he goes into questions with the press. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, so, folks, we have another guest coming up at 1. But in the meantime, so phone lines are open, 766-1380, 766-1380. Uh, check out the Facebook page. And, again, good afternoon to um, everybody that's tuning in on uh, Facebook Live. We have uh, Kevin and uh, Ola. There's Chris. Thank you. And there's Cindy Neal and uh, a lot more. And there's our friend Wolf. Um, we're too small for these problems. It's true. How about Ron Meekly at Bryan University? Did you hear how much he's getting? You know how obscene that is? And I, I, I mean, I, I know him. He's always been nice to me. Uh, he, he, no question about it. Ron Meekly transformed Bryant. He has. But outgoing Bryant University president Ron Meekly made more than any other college president in the United States, in the world in 2017, highest paid college president in the entire world, Ron Makeley at Bryan, $6.2 million. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Bryan is good and it's gotten better, but $6.2 million, highest paid, not in, not in Rhode Island, in the world, nowhere else. More than Harvard, Yale, MIT, Stanford. As a matter of fact, he made more. Think of this. Ron Meekly, outgoing Bryant University president, made more than Harvard, 
Yale, Stanford, and MIT presidents combined. Think about that for a minute. How about at, at Johnson & Wales, J&W, their president? How much did he make? $5.3 million. $5.3 million. Johnson Wales, John Bowen. He's number two. Between the two of them, close to $12 million in pay. Number one and number two. Johnson Wales University president made more. You take Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and Brown. Those four schools combine the salaries of the presidents, and Johnson Wales made more. Seven six six thirteen eighty. Good afternoon. You're on the John DePietro show. Hello. Good afternoon, John. This is Steve calling. Hi, Hi there, Steve. Steve. Happy Wednesday. Go right ahead. Oh, a very happy Wednesday to you too, my friend. John, my uh, my thumb is hurting the, uh, this afternoon uh, for me flipping the channels back and forth trying to catch uh, Gina Raimondo, the debate, uh, you know, the President Trump rally. Um, John, uh, watching our governor, Gita Raimondo, um, there was three takeaways that I got from that. Uh, additional funding, um, additional education funds, and bonds, okay? Now, once did I hear or see anything or any talk about deficit reduction? Did you? Zero. I mean, it's all spending money that we don't have and trying to cement a legacy but when she started talking about affordable building free brand new affordable housing for illegal aliens and got a standing ovation that's when i i stepped back and i was watching that and thought i i I am living in the wrong place i mean this is insanity they need the nerve of that woman it has no bounds John, there's there's one reason for her to say that, okay? Um, John, I am I, I don't know if you know that th- know this, but I'm a resident of Winsocket, okay? Winsocket, as far as affordable income housing, we are above our average set by the state, okay? We're running, I think, if I'm not mistaken, around twenty one to twenty two percent, okay? If you look around at the towns whether it be Lincoln, Cumberland, North Smithfield, their rates of affordable income housing are below what was set at the state level. Okay? There are not, whenever anyone proposes an affordable housing complex, whether it be in Lincoln, North Smithfield, or Cumberland, or any surrounding cities or towns, it gets rejected by the planning board. Okay? Because you know why, John? They don't want affordable housing in their cities or towns. This is not, a, it's not an additional funding problem. It is a state problem, or not a state problem, but a city problem, okay? And I, I'll tell you, John, if, you, if, if any one of the city council members could maybe follow on to my call, this has been known for a long time, okay? Where, where surrounding cities and towns are not living up to their obligation to fund and support affordable housing, okay? Where Woonsocket has stepped forward, whether it be from the last, you know, last couple of political regimes, but we are above our state average of affordable housing. And there are cities and towns in this state that are not living up to their part of the agreement. How do you start to make plans for more spending? And you're the governor, and you're looking at a deficit of $200 million. And I think, you know, Governor Charlie Baker, the governor of Massachusetts, think about this. The state of Massachusetts, side by side, and the state of Massachusetts has a $1 billion surplus. And under Raimondo, it's going to be a $200 million deficit. Think of the swing in money that exists. That That is... There's something fundamentally wrong. She has failed. She wouldn't even mention it last night. I, I can't even, I don't know about you, I can't even listen to her anymore. What is she talking about? She, the, the state workforce, and we had um, 
Blake Filippi a little bit earlier, the state workforce, there are there certain jobs that could be eliminated because of, because of technology, Steve, and because of computers. There's certain occupations and jobs at the state house, at the Department of Administration, uh, the registry, and so forth, that could be consolidated and eliminated. And you know why they, they, they don't do that? Because the union and the governor and the deals they have, they say, oh, no, we, we can't lay that person off or put them out of work. You, you have people that are just there because uh, just to have a job. I mean, the state is functioning too much as just to employ people, and it's not that they're needed in any way. I spoke with someone that said, you know, you could trim the state workforce by at least a third, if not half. And instead, right now, there were over 15,000 state employees because Governor Raimondo made those promises to the unions in order to get reelection. Well, John, and then you look at then you look at the overhead of carrying on this workforce. I mean, it's you know you, you're looking at medical benefits, dental benefits, things like this, pension plans. That's right. You know, I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, but I mean, to compare us to Massachusetts, John, that would, I mean, we could we could talk maybe two or three hours on that. You know, um, I don't know about that, yeah, so, but I mean, there's just there's something yeah. fundamentally wrong. You know, she doesn't even address it. Uh, if these were two businesses, if you had two businesses side by side and one had a one billion dollar surplus and one had a two hundred million dollar loss, uh, you would fire the person with the two hundred million dollar loss and say, here's what we need to do immediately in order to duplicate what's going on next door and also i'll, I'll just to, to be fair so uh if all these plans that governor Raimondo has that queena has if, if she said because i implemented a b and c and as a result of that we have a surplus of 300 million dollars and with that surplus i want to implement the following programs i would have less of a pro- don't you agree i would have less of a problem with that John, every word out of out of uh, Governor Raimondo's mouth last night was either bond or funding. Yeah, I mean, John, when when does when does not anyone associate that lives in Rhode Island the term bond and loan? They're, they're, they're basically synonymous. That's right. You know, whenever you say, and John, every time every time there's a national election. You know, local elections, you always see these bond questions, okay? There has never been a bond question that has been rejected in Rhode Island. There has never been one. As as long as I can tell, there has never been a bond question that has been shot down. And, And a lot of people think that, well, a bond is like a government grant. It's not. It's a loan. You know, I mean, people don't understand that. You know, um, it's amazing to me when you know when when some of the terminology and things like this comes along, and everything last night she said. I mean, it's nice to have pie in the sky ideas and pie in the sky plans, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And nothing done to try to address it. I mean, I, I just, I, I'll repeat what I said. I think the media goes easy on her. Uh, the front page, Ramundo lays out priorities. Now, granted, the journal does say steers clear of deficits, but this is someone that came in, and I think she's a failed governor. I do. I mean, she's not as incompetent as Chafee was, who's completely... I mean, think about that. Here, here's the question, Steve, that people really need to ask themselves, if people want to be honest. And I hate to even say this, but when you think about four years of Chafee, followed by eight years of Raimondo. By the time she's done, that's 12 years. Uh, if we really want to be honest, I, I don't know if the state can ever recover from that because the people, a lot of people that I talk to, they're not talking about here's how the state could improve. So many people now are just talking about exit plans. So many people are talking about, I'm going to move here. I'm going to move to Florida. I'm going to move to South Carolina. Um I don't know if the state can ever recover from those two, those 12 years of Chafee Raimondo. And the problem, a major problem is the special interest has actually gotten stronger. They have, if we want to be honest about it. You know, under Governor Kachiri, who I liked, he was on the right path. He was trimming the state workforce. 
He was trying to get them in line. He was trying to cut down on the state workforce. He did reduce it. He talked about layoffs. He was trying to get it more efficient. He was trying to cut down on the spending. Um, he would go to bat against organized labor. You don't have that anymore. I mean, they, and I think it's best symbolic. Boy, that Mary Beth Calabro, I mean, under normal circumstances, the head of the Providence Teachers Union comes up with a fraudulent element, ridiculous accusations, all this harm, and, and no one either calls her out or anyone calls for her in any way to face any type of consequences. The, the organized labor, the public sector unions are winning, and it's leading to the demise of the state. Well, like you said, John, the Green New Deal. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I think I got that wrong. Um, the, uh, well, John, what, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the, Delusional? The Green New Deal. The Evergreen Deal. Yeah, right? no, that's the forever contracts. The contracts never end. So, right. and, and where this is really going to come into fruition, if Raimondo, you know, the nerve of her to talk about children improving education, standing up there last night after she signed the forever contracts into law. And what that means is this spring, I believe the Providence Teacher Union contract is going to come up. And that new superintendent that they lured here under false pretenses, that Infante Green, you watch, she'll leave. She, you mark my words, she will leave. She doesn't want to leave right away, but she will leave because she was brought here under false pretenses. They defrauded her. They misled her because that teacher's contract in Providence, that, that, that you, you can't succeed with that in place. You, you cannot succeed with that in place. And Raimondo signed it into law that it never ends. And to me, it's a matter of time before that new education commissioner that they brought here that she will say, forget it. This is a rigged game. I, I, I'm leaving. You know, you, you see it. We see it in sports. We're spoiled because we have teams like the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Celtics. And they're always trying to, you know, the, the Patriots are the best example because the, the mission is not to have a, a eight and eight record. The, the mission is to to not only reach the Super Bowl, the, the expectation is to to win the Super Bowl. But then you look around the league and there are some franchises that that's just the way it goes. Or baseball is even a better analogy because you have teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds and they're just content to have the team on the field. They're never expected to contend for a World Series. And with that contract in place, it is the John Hopkins report basically said it is impossible to improve the Providence schools with the current contract. And what did Raimondo do? She signed it into law that it can't be changed. Well, I, I know that uh, I know that when Sockets, um, and I think there was other five or six uh, municipalities, um, actually, didn't they file a lawsuit challenging that? Uh, they did, but that'll get delayed into the court system. Right. And it'll go yep. on and on and drag, and then they challenge it again, and, and they know what they're doing. They, you know, drag it out. Uh, but it, it, it just, it, it will not improve. It won't. And they get, you, you get frustrated. And if you're that new education commissioner, after a while you say, why am I banging my head against the wall? This is crazy. This is a rigged game. If you and I go to Twin River, go to Foxwoods, and we go up to the table to play 21, and we notice after a while that sometimes 20 wins, sometimes 21 wins, sometimes 22 wins. Don't you think you and I look at each other and say, what are we doing here? Right? Yep. Exactly. Let's go with this. We actually have a chance of winning. Um, it's a rigged game. It's a rigged game. And Ramundo, you know, as I said earlier and I've said in the past, if this was someone, if she was truly serious about improving the Providence schools, you go back to when she was the general treasurer or the, when she was first governor, and she would have enrolled her children into the public schools. And, and then, you, you know, uh, do you mean to tell me the school where the governor sends her children, you'd have brown water coming out of the faucet, so you'd have teachers calling out 25 sick days a year, or there's other foolishness that goes on. The, the John Hopkins report was the best example that the unions run the schools, not the principal. You can't fire a teacher. Teachers are brought up on child molestation charges, and they can't. They can't be fired. There are teachers that have drug problems that can't be fired. There are teachers that have drinking problems that can't be fired. There are teachers that don't show up for work 
that can't be fired. It, it, no one, 25, 30 sick days a year, that's six extra weeks vacation, and they can't be fired. You throw up your hands and say, what's the point, Steve? Well, John, I mean, that's, this is why maybe you see the progression of the charter schools and things like this. You know, there, you know, there comes a point where, you know, possibly you may need some competition, although there's a lot of local pushback, you know. Huge pushback. Uh, you know, against charter Huge schools. Huge pushback. Like yeah, they oh, yeah. don't want that. Yeah. And that really is, thank you for the call, Steve. The number one priority of the teachers union is to stop the charter schools. And they are, Elizabeth Warren's all in on the charter schools. You know, no one wants to say it. It's it's the emperor has no clothes. You have a charter school and they announce we're going to go back to school the last week of August and we're going to start at eight o'clock in the morning. And if you don't behave, you get tossed out and we get to hire and fire teachers. And here's how it's going to go. And then you have basic, very expensive babysitting. That's what it is. And human nature is after a while. Again, I get it. After a while, you say, why am I banging my head against the wall? What is the point of this? Right? Go along to get along. The hell with it. It's human nature. If everybody's calling out sick on a Friday, why would you still go in on Friday? Even those that are most dedicated. After a while, you start to wonder, like, what am I doing this for? Good afternoon, uh, and Carlene. You know, Christine is exactly right. You watch. They will. I saw another gantry going up the other day. Another gantry was going up the other day. They will start to toll cars. There's no end. There's not enough money. There's not enough money. There's plenty of red flags, right? There's plenty of red flags. It's not as if we don't know the ship is sinking, but the band is just playing along. But that Ramundo last night, I couldn't stand it. I really couldn't. Hi there, Rick Palmer. Boy, she's got real nerve. And them applauding. What am I missing? You know, I was watching that last night. And when she talked about building brand new housing units, brand new affordable housing units for illegals. Oh, and by the way, by the way, folks, I want to thank everyone that took the time yesterday to call the governor's office. Now, I told you yesterday we were hearing. What were we hearing? That Governor Amundo was going to announce licenses for illegal. And we gave out the phone number to call her office. And we learned late yesterday, because of all of you calling, they decided to pull it out of the speech. It doesn't mean it's dead, but it didn't go in last night. Now, folks, that shows when you do get involved, when you do get engaged, right, especially if they're a little weak need on it. They decided to pull it. Thumbs up, everybody on Facebook Live. That's a good thing. I'm not saying that the battle is over. But people like Terry Gorman and others, and those of you that took the time yesterday to call her office saying, I don't want illegals to have driver's license. But I was watching that last night. And these people standing up applauding as she's announcing brand new, brand new. Uh, free housing for illegals and standing they're all standing and clapping what 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 are they clapping about and you have to also understand organized labor stands to benefit from that because then they get no bid contract to build them the units are built 25 30 percent over what the price should be so this is like another gift to labor because of you don't have companies coming in those were all celebrated. I know they are, Carlos. But because you have all, you don't have companies coming in building buildings. The laborers' union, right? You have Ramundo. They're saying to Ramundo, "We still need jobs." So it becomes the state gives them jobs to do. That's what it really turns into. Just like that incredible garage they built down at the Garrahy Court Complex. Who do you think built that? What do you think that went out for bid? No, that's organized labor. Folks, I mean, I, it starts to become a little bit of a broken record. Now, on the good news, how about last night? At no point would Governor Amundo acknowledge that the only reason that unemployment in the state is down and so many people are working is because of President Trump. But I would like to see the opposition party start to challenge her more. Here's something else that it's, it's never going to happen. And we had on earlier 
Representative Blake Filippi saying, you know, he wants to implement that if your child goes to a failing school, they should be allowed to go to a school in another district. The reason that's never going to happen is the Providence Teachers Union, the unions, they're too strong because all of those kids, they can't get into a charter school. The parents would say that I want you to go to school in Cranston or I want them to go to school in North Providence or Johnston or Pawtucket. Now, the reason this is not going to work is, number, number one, you'd have empty classrooms in parts of Providence. What do you do with empty classrooms? Someone says, well, maybe we don't need all these teachers. Well, forget that. I mean, that's not going to happen, right? They're not going to get rid of anybody. You can't get rid of anybody. You can't lay anybody off. So now they would fight that because they want the full classrooms. That's number one. Number two, you say, okay, if you go to school in a failing district... You get to ship your kid to another district. Here's my question. If you live in Lincoln or you live in Smithfield or North Smithfield, do you want some of these kids from Woonsocket going into your school? If you live in Cumberland, do you want kids from Woonsocket going into your school system? If you live in Johnston, do you want kids from Providence coming into your school district? The reason or North Providence, the re- a lot of those people would say, well, no. A lot of people might say the reason I live in Lincoln is because I, you, how about you live in Lincoln? Kids from Central Falls start to go to Lincoln High School. Or kids from Pawtucket start to go to Lincoln High School. Now, someone that's listening right now in Lincoln said, uh, no, the reason I live in Lincoln is because I don't want my kids going to school with the kids from Central Falls. That's why I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh, I know something needs to be done. To me, the answer, it is free housing. Free housing. Why are we giving them free housing? I'm living on another planet. Free housing? I want to deport them. <laughs> Shows you how out of step I am. And I think many of you agree with me. I want to deport them. What? I don't want them coming here. They, they run up the cost of everything. You know, if the population in Providence is down, which it actually is for citizens, then that means you close schools, you consolidate. So instead of having, just as an example, hear me out. 401-766-1380. Instead of having 20 schools, just as an example, hear me out, you have 10. But the 10 you have have the best teachers and are the best facilities. Doesn't that make sense to you? Right? Less is more. But what you don't do is you so they what they do is they have 20 schools and they want to keep all those people working, right? No, it doesn't matter. Drunks pedophiles, drug addicts, nobody gets fired. It's communism is what it really is. But anyhow, they say let's ship in illegals and keep the 20 schools open, even though they can't afford to keep all 20 schools going. That, that is not efficiency, right? That's not efficiency. And many different school districts, if, you, if, they, if they said we're not going to take the illegals, they would trim the number of schools Trim the number of teachers, and then you have the best teachers are all going to be teaching. We don't need, just as an example, we don't need five schools. We're going to have two schools, but they're going to be beautiful schools, and they're going to be brand new, and they're going to have the best teachers available. Then we're going to get the best results. Doesn't that make sense to you? That's what it would be if we're Governor Juan. But the problem is... They keep as many because it's a job factory, right? It's a job factory. Ramundo wanted to be governor again. So she signs a deal with the prison guards at the ACI, the union. She signs a deal to them, which means charge whatever you want for overtime. And we're not going to object because they say to her, we're going to endorse you and vote for you for governor. So what do you get? A prisoner. Listen to me. Right now it's 1249. A prisoner at Walpole. Maximum security prisoner at Walpole. Cost sixty thousand a year to the state of Massachusetts. In Cranston, Walpole is forty minutes from the ACI. Forty minutes. A prisoner at the ACI costs one hundred eighty thousand a year. Wait a minute, Juan. You just said a prisoner at Walpole is sixty thousand. I did. So why is a prisoner at the ACI three times the cost? Because the union, because Raimundo signed off with your prison guards that are making $250,000 a year. Insanity. 
But that's how much she wanted to get reelected. Christine says, why aren't teachers getting drug tested? Answer, union won't allow it. I talk with people. You know, there are people, men, teaching in the Providence schools. Child porn, uh, suggestive things to both boys and girls, allegations of sexual assault. And what happens? Union won't let you fire them. They lawyer up. And if they really get bad, they place them in another school. Can't fire them. You have teachers that are not sober, passing out, drunk at the desk, all mayhem's going loose. Let me ask you a question. If you were a student and the teacher was drunk asleep at the desk, would you sit in the class and say, the hell with it? Let's get out of here. What am I doing here? Teacher with a drug addict, doesn't grade tests properly, papers, doesn't correct homework, uh, doesn't keep track of things, lies about grades, uh, doesn't show up for work. Can't fire them. Why? Why would you fire the union contract? <laughs> My goodness. Manesha. All right. Uh, why don't the illegals have a separate school, separate teachers to teach them English? Well, they do it away, Elizabeth. Uh, it's called Central Falls, and it's called, you're right, Christine, should never be public sector unions. You know, certain states in the country, public sector unions are outlawed. Why not? What? It's a failure. The public schools are a failure. You know, Blake Filippi is right. You need competition. It drives everything, right? It drives everything. Let me ask you a quick question. For, I, I know I'm late on the break. 766-1380. Would Coach Bill Belichick, I, I'm not going to give a good example, but my point is, if there's no scoreboard, there's no point in ever improving or doing things, right? That's why, that's why people love sports, because you have to perform. Because there's a winner or loser, there's a scoreboard. But basically, with the public education system, there's no scoreboard. No one ever ever wins or loses. A great teacher makes just the same as a bad teacher. You lower people's output. Don't tell me about a calling. And they have all the talking points. We have great kids. We have all these success stories and blah, blah, blah. And the head of the teachers union, look on my Facebook page. What does she say? Trump is an ignoramus. Trump is human. Trump, President Trump is human scum. Filth. Blah, blah, blah. Terrible. Terrible. All right. 766-1380. Hey, I want to remind you about our friends at Propane Plus. By the way, we have an expert on Iran coming up. Um, the good news about that debate, and we will talk about the debate last night, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, is as bad as the debate was with CNN. It was a defining moment in some ways. And I think for the Elizabeth Warren is saying, well, Bernie's is a sex. I mean, it's the way they throw around the terms racist and sexist. Those words have like lost all meaning. Don't you think? All right. But I want to remind you about Propane Plus. Call them today. 401-885-4209. 401-885-4209. Propane Plus. Heating and cooling your propane experts. Propane Plus, underground tanks, full service, two locations, East Greenwich and Rehoboth. Call Propane Plus today. Become a customer for all your heating and cooling needs. Propane, they can do it all. Insulation and service for heaters, generators, water heaters, pool heaters, fireplaces, boilers and furnaces. All propane appliances, extensive selection of tanks, automatic delivery. Tim Johnson and his family, they can do it all. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885-4209. 885-4209. It's John DePietro, 766-1380. A lot more ahead on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is a perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Hey, do you need a good plumber? A lot of times suddenly there's a plumbing emergency and you say, well, 
Juan, I need a plumber. I have just the person for you. Courts, C-O-R-T-S, Courts Plumbing of Cumberland. Call them today, 714-8478. Courts, C-O-R-T-S, Courts Plumbing of Cumberland. 714-8478. Fully licensed and insured. They'll handle all your plumbing needs. Are you having a problem with your drain or repair and maintenance or maybe a bathroom remodel? Call Courts Plumbing of Cumberland today, 714-8478. Family-run business over 20 years. It's Courts Plumbing of Cumberland, 714-8478. At Paul Massey Chevrolet, you get the lowest price guaranteed every day on our exciting lineup of Chevrolets. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price guaranteed, and it's only at Paul Massey, Rhode Island's number one Chevrolet dealer. Lease a 2020 Equinox LS front-wheel drive for only $179 a month for 39 months with $29.88 due at signing. Great selection, top-notch service, and the lowest one price, only at Paul Massey. Well, the cold weather is going to return over the weekend and next week. That's why, during the heating season, let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a natural gas high-efficiency carrier Infinity System, the energy efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, well, then no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter and it cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high efficiency gas boilers. JKL is a carrier factory authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, you know, for 53 years. JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved National Grid VPI installer. Call JKL Engineering today for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call J.K.L. Engineering today, 351-7600, 351-7600 for J.K.L. Engineering. You are listening to The John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. All right, folks, and we're back on this Wednesday. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. It's the John DePietro Program weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and also 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at uh, DePietro.com. Visit the new website, DePietro.com. Hey, how about a boy 14 charged after stolen car chase? Winsocket, 14-year-old boy with a 13-year-old girl in the car, led the Winsocket police on a chase in a stolen car early Tuesday morning. 1.21 a.m., Officer Logan spotted a blue Infinity, later found to be stolen, speeding on 2nd Avenue, running a stop sign. Turned on the emergency lights, tried stopping the car, led him on a chase nearby streets. Lost sight of the car, turned off his emergencies, kept checking the area. Moments later, saw the tall lights of the stolen car stopped at a dead end at Alice Street. Occupants got out of the car, went into the woods, searched the area, found a 14-year-old boy admitted driving the car and a 13-year-old girl who was the passenger. Why are they out at 1.30 in the morning on a Tuesday morning? Uh, I mean... All right, next hour, power hour, plus we have an expert that's going to talk to us about the situation in Iran. It's John DePietro, plus moron, the Ramundo disaster last night, known as her state of the state. We're going to break for the 1 o'clock news a lot more ahead on the John DePietro Show. WNRI, Winsocket, W236CW, W260DC. W-N-R-I. 